it's funny, even in middle school, I was like selling Red Bulls out of my locker, just trying to make some extra yeah. money, you know, for like all, everyone like uh, playing sports or basketball, or whatever. I was, I was the kid selling, uh, selling Red Bulls. And then afterwards, then, you know, I, uh, I graduated high school. I got into, uh, you know, I went to college at Santa Clara University, but I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, I, I really want to be able to take care of myself. So starting at 17, I wanted to be able to make my own money. So I, uh, I ended up selling Cutco and paid my way all through college doing that. And it was, uh, it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> and- Welcome to the Millennials and Money Podcast. The podcast dedicated to encourage millennials to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and financial professional, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share the money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm your host, as always, financial professional with Homes Financial, Payton Boyer. And this week, I got another special guest with me. This week, I have Justin Kusu. So I'm, I'm going to call him Justin Kusu. He might say his last name. I can't pronounce it. I don't want to butcher it. So just say what's up, Justin. Introduce yourself. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, my full last name is Justin Kusu Moe Dogdo, but all my friends just call me Kusu. Keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. I love that. I appreciate that. So, Justin, um, normally the guests know when I introduce my guests, I always say their name and their profession. But you're pretty much retired. So what is it? What's your profession? What's your title right now? Yeah. Like, you know, here's the thing is like I, I quit my job two years ago. Um, I run Airbnbs and I also do coaching. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I have like a specific title since I'm not like at a company or anything. Um, I think the closest thing would be like I, I'm an Airbnb operator. So I run like 15 Airbnbs right now. And uh, yeah, life is uh, life is cool. I like that Airbnb operator. There we go. And we'll get more into your Airbnb journey. But, you know, the story always, the show always starts at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all about people's mindset around money and their, and their journey with money. And I find out there, I find that through my experience, through my, in my own personal life and through the life of my clients, that those kind of cornerstones get put in place when they're young, they get put in place early at home. Mm-hmm. So let's go back there. What was money like for you growing up? Where did you grow up? Oh man, I so I grew up in a really uh really nice town, nice neighborhood. Like, you know, my family was uh pretty like decently well off. But then the thing is is like my parents, they never gave me an allowance. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of kids I went to school with, they had like everything they wanted. One kid got like 10 grand for his birthday. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Jesus, man. So yeah, I never got an allowance. So anything I wanted, I always had to work for it. So I started working when I was like uh it's funny, even in middle school, I was like selling Red Bulls out of my locker, just trying to make some extra yeah. money, you know, for like all, everyone like uh, playing sports or basketball, or whatever. I was, I was the kid selling, uh, selling Red Bulls. And then afterwards, then, you know, I, uh, I graduated high school. I got into, uh, you know, I went to college at Santa Clara University, but I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, I, I really want to be able to take care of myself. So starting at 17, I wanted to be able to make my own money. So I, uh, I ended up selling Cutco and paid my way all through college doing that. And it was, uh, it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> and, you know, I got a lot of friends who are still in the business. Um, I paid my way through college. I branched two times. So I was running offices, running sales teams. And then um, 
also won like all Americans. So I was like number 16 in America. So that was, that was cool. Dang. But yeah, it was, it was a great time. Loved the experience there. And then, but one thing I think you might appreciate this is that, uh, I don't know if you know of, uh, Dan Cassetta. I learned from him when I was, uh, at 17. So literally like my first, like few months out of college, he had a great meeting all about like, Hey, saying up to your financial future, you know, like he's teaching 17, 18 year old, like very impressionable kids who are like, you know, really hard work and top performer types. Like, Hey, here's how you get your money. Right. Here's like, you know, put away money every month, put it in a, you know, stocks or a, or a Roth IRA and learning all this stuff. It was like mind blowing at 17. So I just got, or, or I just got an early start. Like, I should say. Yeah, no, that sounds like, that's what I was going to say. Sounds like you got an early start, not just in the financial background by learning about at least at least the basis of financial literacy and the different accounts and have your money work for you. You also learned at a young age to go get it because it sounded like your parents weren't giving you, they, they might have done well for themselves. They might they must have set some things in place to instill some work habits in you. So you knew if you wanted something, you had to work for it. Yeah, I'm sure, exactly. I'm sure you might not have enjoyed it at the time when you saw kids getting 10 grand for their birthday, like <laughs> selling Red Bulls, but it paid off for you now, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I feel like I'm doing pretty well compared to like the rest of my age group, but I'm like, uh, I mean, I'm 28 years old and I'm like semi-retired. I still work. I, I work like, you know, about three to five hours a week on my business, but I set up a lot of systems where, you know, it can just really run itself. And then more importantly, it's like, you know, I, one big mission I have is I want to be able to give back and help other people just get their own Airbnbs and, you know, be able to break free from the rat race or just make extra money for themselves or for their families. So, so far I've helped like six people now get their first Airbnb and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with that. So that's why, uh, you know, that's why I do this is like, I want to help other people be able to get their own Airbnbs. And then I also, uh, do work as like an Airbnb coach as well, too. That's really cool, man. That, that that's why we have money, you know, so we can free ourselves up to pursue passions. And in most cases, I find those passions are tied to helping others. Mm -hmm. So that, I'm glad you're doing that. I'm sure you you're enjoying life right now. Yeah. So let's talk about your time at Cutco. How did you find Cutco? Uh, you, you were number 16 in the country, so you must have found success there. What were those beginning years like at Cutco? Man, it was uh, it was wild. I was uh, <laughs> like, okay, how did I hear about it? I got a letter in the mail. And then my parents were like, hey, uh, this company wants you to sell knives. Um, you know, you can interview. You don't have to work there. But just check it out. I'm like, okay. So I showed up. I got it done. And then I was like, uh, Hey, this sounds cool. I think I really want to do it. And then what was your other question? So how did you find success early on? Do you just go out there and I know they started like door knocking. So we just, yeah. gave it. what was that like? So it was actually more like cold calling, like straight up. Like I was, uh, I was cold calling, like all my church directory, my, uh, my high school directory. I even went to my middle school, elementary school directory <laughs> every single mom uh in the town i grew up in being like hey i'm paying my way through college can i show you uh this cool product it's called cutco and then yeah like uh that, that was basically my whole like way i paid through college and then a lot of it you know afterwards then after i advanced and hey i was like teaching uh teaching kids to do that uh, and then i also uh 
close it. But yeah, I mean, I was also doing like service calls. I was working like fairs and shows, like just doing a little bit of everything. That's cool, man. So what are like, what was the way thing gave you that drive to go get it, you know? Yeah. Like, I think, I think a lot of it is, uh, cause my grandpa, you know, like he's, uh, and this is a crazy story in, um, in and of itself, if I'm saying that correctly, I think, uh, honestly, they, they could make a movie about it, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short. Uh, my grandpa grew up dirt poor. All right. Like, you know, they didn't have public schools. He had to like pay to go to school and his, uh, his family was so poor. They couldn't even pay for him to go to school. So <laughs> that's how, that's how poor he was. So anyways, he, uh, he would just start working really hard from a young age. And then he, uh, he was in sales. He sold, he started selling like x-ray machines to airports and construction equipment. But then he also had like five kids. So he had to be able to take care of five kids, you know? And then on top of that, so he was starting to like kind of make it, you know, starting to do better in life. Then one day he's in a plane on a business trip and then the plane crashes and oh. everyone dies except for him. So That's insane. I know. That, that just gave me chills, man. I know. So he was the lone survivor of a plane crash. He still had a wife and five kids. And then, um, and then, you know, he was still in the hospital. He's not invincible. So he broke up a lot of bones. He had a crazy hospital bill. And then, uh, and then this lady came up to my grandpa. I think she was a gypsy or something. She reads his palm and she tells him, you're the luckiest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, I did survive. A plane crash. <laughs> I'm going to buy a lotto ticket. And then he won. So, <laughs> wow, that's insane. Yeah. So he won, he won the lottery. I mean, it was enough to like pay off the bills, set up some businesses. Uh, then, you know, a cool thing that I respected a lot about him is he didn't just blow all his money. Like he, uh, he invested into businesses and building, you know, his community. Uh, he hired hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, and gave them all jobs. And, you know, I mean, in Indonesia, it's a third world country. So he even like gave some people like places to stay. It's like, hey, look, you can work here. You can stay here. Like, you know, just really helping out his community. So he lived like a really long, good, long life. He passed away like maybe about like seven or eight years ago. But then um, when he passed away, he had uh, he had all of the, the man, it's crazy. He had like over a thousand people come to his funeral to pay their respects wow. and uh i mean it was it was just crazy to see i mean i don't go to indonesia often but you know of course i was there for his funeral and then um but yeah i just saw like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all coming through there was even a police escort for us to like be able to get through i mean it was uh it was really incredible so anyways um one in like two interesting things happened at the funeral it was like number one as uh, as he was getting like put into the ground uh like buried then uh it started raining out of nowhere and indonesia is like really hot you know kind of place all of a sudden it just started raining like hardcore for like five minutes and then all of a sudden it goes away and then the sky's like completely blue and yeah and i'm like what's going on and then my mom's like oh yeah that means he's going to heaven i'm like Okay, I was that religious growing up. I'm like, okay, now I'm real, uh, like, I, I actually believe in God. I'm like, hey, yeah, no, that's that's a sign, man. <laughs> yeah. And then the second crazy thing that happened was, uh, you know, some <laughs> lady came up to my grandma at 
at the funeral and she was like, Hey, uh, he didn't want me to tell anyone, but you know, I, I just wanted you to know, um, that like, this is what he did for my family. My son got into college in America and we couldn't afford it. So he paid for it. <laughs> he like, mm. he paid for one of his employees, kids to just go to America for college, like all four years. And I was like, wow, man. And that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> like yeah, know, for sure. Country, come to America. I mean, I was like, wow, man. So that's, you know, that, that's, uh, that's like my kind of like longer short answer to your question of like, the, 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 motivated, man. the way I see it, man, is like, you, you got the torch to carry, man. You, you got, you got your ground, yeah, your, your grandfather, correct? Your grandfather set the bar yeah. high. <laughs> yeah. He said, like, like to us, you're doing good, but like, you're still not up there on the total ball like your grandfather was. He set the thing up and to continue his legacy, man. I yeah, man. It drives you. He did all that in Indonesia. I'm trying to, you know, do, do it like that in America, you know, so like American dream, baby. <laughs> the American dream. That's right. Yeah. So did, so did your parents immigrate from Indonesia or did, who brought you guys over here? Was oh, yeah. No, I was I was born and raised here. Like my parents, uh, I was born and raised in America. My uh, my mom and dad, they met in college while they were here. And then, uh, yeah. So then that was like my mom. And by the way, I'm like the firstborn of the firstborn. My mom was uh, the oldest kid. So, okay. Know, no <laughs> oh, yeah. No pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just feel like I just really want to live my life where I can like, you know, help contribute to people, help other people be able to better take care of themselves, you know, and, uh, obviously the way to do that is, Hey, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta get my money. Right. So <laughs> I wanted to figure that out from a young age. Yeah. You put a smile on my face. The fact that you just want to like your motivating factor to help others. That's huge. And just like your grandfather did. So that's awesome that you're in an opportunity and position to do that. Hmm. So I know you mentioned you learned a lot about finance, learned the basics to financial literacy in right freshman year of college. Mm. And then you started making money. So what was it like? What, what, what were some of your decisions like when you started making money at Cut Coast and started really producing and seeing like, hey, I got a future here as far as financials, finance are concerned. What were some of your financial decisions around that? Oh, richest man in Babylon, like straight up, like, you know, law of gold number one, I always saved a percentage of what I made, you know, nice. and the thing is, I was in sales. And I was like, you know, I could, I could, I could save a lot of it. And I'm a, I'm a college kid, I'm living off of uh, ramen, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna save as much money as I can. So that's, you know, that's what I did. So I worked really hard, saved as much money as I could. And then I, uh, and then also, as far as another financial decision was like, hey, I'm not just going to save it, but I'm going to, you know, invest it. So I was putting it into the stock market. And then I was also, um, what else? As far as investing, like, hey, I saved up and put it back into like my business. So I was, you know, reinvesting into my business, reinvesting into starting a new office, you know, like that, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I just felt like I was taught really well from a young age just to like, how to make it and how to save your money. But then I think like what I figured out later was like how to multiply it. And uh, it was a, uh, it was a great experience, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was like early on in college afterwards. I worked at like a tech company for a year. It was cool. You know, I was like, Oh my goodness, I have a base salary. I'm not straight. <laughs> like, you know, and then it was base plus commission too. So that was nice. And then, uh, 
what else? There was like healthcare benefits. I was like, man, this is cool. (laughs) But then, uh, you know, my first year out of college, like, you know, I, I was working in a tech company. I think I made like something like 85 grand or something. It was like 50 K base, 75 K if you hit your quota. But I was like, I was really investing in myself as far as like, uh, like I bought Cardinal university to learn to be a better salesperson. So I kept okay. on it, kept executing on it, but I kept giving shout outs like, Hey, thanks so much. Cardone university. Thanks so much, man. Cardone, number one salesperson of the month again. And then they, uh, like after a few months of that, they were like, Hey, uh, you should work here. I was like, wow. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So then I, uh, I mean, they recruited me. I, I flew out to Miami and I worked for Grant Cardone for a year and that was a crazy experience. Like, you know, I was, I was working like a maniac, like nonstop, probably like 50, 60 hours a week, even on the weekends too. And like, we were making like 150 dollars a day. <laughs> like it was, yeah. uh, it was wild, man. But then like, uh, in that one year, uh, you know, I, I ended up selling about 800 K I made, uh, for, you know, that's how much I grossed. I yeah. netted around 130 and it was great. That was more money than I ever thought I could make as like a freaking, like, what was I? 20, 22 year old. You know? what, what, what was your job title? What'd you do? Oh, I was, a I was like a sales and marketing manager, basically salesperson. I was selling, uh, like, you know, Cardin university business to business. So okay. It was so a lot. So you were you were the ideal candidate because you you were definitely it, a result of it. Yeah, I was like a product of the product, you know. Yeah. So it, I mean it was it was a great experience. I loved it. I learned so much, made a lot of really good friends. But then I was like, hey man, um, you know, I like I'm making a dollar while sorry, I'm making a dime while the boss is making a dollar. You know, so that was one yeah. thing that I figured out early on is like, hey, I'll never like really be able to build like the super life that I want as an employee. So even if I'm a really highly paid employee, like I, I need to be able to figure out how can I be the boss? Yeah. Cause you're going to be answering to somebody. Yeah, exactly. And that somebody is like, you know, they're paying out the dimes and taking the dollars. So I was like, okay, how do I make the dollars and pay out the dimes? And then that's when I was like, you know, just really studying like real estate, investing, Airbnbs, and then, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we continue, we need to let you know about this disclosure. Rentals or investing in real estate involves special risk, involving possible declines in real estate values, adverse economic conditions, and changes in interest rates and may not be suitable for all investors. Justin Cusso's experience may not be representative of the experience of other clients and is not indicative of future performance or success. All right. So now that's out of the way, let's get back to the show. That's what, uh, you know, that's what caused me to like buy my first house. So let's talk about that journey, that process into real estate investing. Did you know it was going to be Airbnb, Airbnb off the bat? Were you thinking traditional rental? No. And what was the whole process like the whole home, but first purchase like? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was looking into like different markets. My, uh, my brother went to college uh, in a town called Reading and I was originally thinking, okay, what if I just, you know, I could buy a four bedroom here and then I could just, you know, maybe rent it out room by room. And then I was doing the math and I would cash flow like three to 500 bucks a month in profit after all the expenses. So I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like, uh, depending on how this goes, I might, I might be able to, you know, just make some extra money. Maybe if I buy like 10 houses and if I could get 10 houses to cash flow, you know, 500 per month times 10, 
well, that's 5,000 a month. I could retire once I get to 10 houses, you know? <laughs> so I was like, okay, that could be cool. But then I was uh, studying about Airbnb and I was like, okay, hold on. Airbnb could work. Uh, let's just test it out. So I, you know, I set up the house, got a cleaner. And then I was like, all right, let's, let's see how this makes. And then my first few months I was clearing like 1500 a month in profit. And that was after all the expenses. So I was yeah. like, oh my God, I'm making like five times what I would make if I was to just like rent it out normally. So I was like, okay, I want to ride this out for a year. Let's yeah. see how this goes. So I kept my Airbnb open for a year. And then like, it was constantly just like an extra, like 1500 a month. And by the way, that whole time I was still working. I had a full-time job, you know? So I was still like, you know, I wasn't leaving my job or quitting or anything. I was still working a full-time job. I was passively like running my Airbnb and it was cool. So then I was like, all right, let's scale up. So I bought house number two a year, uh, bought house number two, like three years ago. And then I was like, you know, I put that on Airbnb as well too. And then I was cash flowing like an extra 1500 to 2000 or more per property, uh, depending on like the busy season and stuff. I was like, okay, man, if I can make each house cash flow, like two grand in profit per month, like, it makes sense. I will pay for itself. So I bought, I bought house number two and it was, it was great. Uh, but then I hit a little stopping point because the banks, you know, I was, I was maxed out. So then after, uh, after the two mortgages, then it was like, okay, I need to be able to scale up more. So I learned about rental arbitrage. So that's where you rent a house. And then with the landlord's permission, you re-rent it on Airbnb. So I studied this business model. I, you know, I was learning, learning, and then I started doing it. So then I was like, all right, man, let's just get two more houses right now. So yeah. then I got two leases signed, got all those set up. And then and then it's crazy. My, my cash flow just doubled just like that, going from two to four houses. And I'm like, okay, I need to scale up, you know, let's scale up from four to six to eight to 10 to 12. So I ended up scaling up to 12 houses over 18 months. And then it was just a hell of a ride, you know, <laughs> like just constantly like, Hey, you make, you make the money and then you reinvest it back in the business yes. and you make it some more then you reinvest it. So that's, uh, that's why I did over the last like two years, uh, just constantly scaling up and then. It was a uh, it was an incredible journey, man. So so, so how many of the uh, Airbnbs do you own? How many are the window arbitrage? So I own two, and then I rent out nine, and then also uh, property manage three. So I have uh, I have like three clients who like have a house, and they're like, "Hey, Justin, I don't want to learn how to do this myself. I would just rather you do all the work, and then you know you take your property management fee of twenty five percent." So I was like. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So then, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one of my clients, he's really happy. I like, I mean, this was during busy season. Uh, his expenses on the house are around two grand a month. Uh, I made the house do $10,000 in growth. My gosh. Man. So it was about a thousand to cleaners. So like, it was like 9,000 and, you know, 9,000 after cleaners. And then I took 25% of the 9,000, but he still walked away with, uh, Let's just see this here, 9,000 times 0.75. So he walked away with $6,750. For doing nothing. For expenses. Yeah, I mean, he profited like 
$50, you know, yeah. it was like a really good month. So ultimately like that's kind of what's really crazy and possible with Airbnb is just like, there's so much more demand for it than a regular, you know, house. And then I think it's the best way where you could, you know, really cash flow a house, make it, make it get top dollar. I mean, as long as you do it right, you know, and I figured out, Oh, I made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot of like high level coaching to be able to make Airbnbs perform like that. So, so now, now that you're a coach, you're, you're a coach, are you coaching out this? How, how people get in contact with you that people who don't, who don't want to do be hands-on like people just say, you know, I know there's opportunity here, but I also have my time that I don't want to waste. So how do they get in contact with you where you can be the guy to make it happen? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty active on like Facebook uh, you know, Facebook is just Justin Kusu BNB. So feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. I do get like a lot of random friend requests that I can't handle sometimes. Though. <laughs> um, I don't know. Should I, should I put my number out there? Or? Uh, I'll put everything in the show notes, the best way to contact you. I'll put like, you want to drop a screening email. That's fine too. I'll put in the, we don't have to say it right now. I just, I'll, I'll, for the yeah. guests listening who want, who are serious about getting contact. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll put my number out there. It's fine. It's a six five zero three four six five one seven two. So you can feel free to call me or text me. Um, you know, just don't uh, crazy blow up my phone or anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my phone number six five zero three four six five one seven two. So like, if you want to talk shop about coaching, real estate management, whatever it is, you know, let's, let's do this, but I'm also pretty active on Facebook and, uh, and also Instagram too. Actually, Instagram might be great. Uh, it's real estate Kusu. That's real estate KUSU on, uh, on Instagram as well. Yeah. I'll leave that in the show notes, guys. That's a real opportunity there, Justin. I thank you so much for offering that to my guests, man. Cause Hey, they gotta be blowing you up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figure if they're your guests, they're cool. Right. Well, the guests on the show, I don't know the listeners. Let's hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just, uh, let's figure that if people are listening to a financial podcast, they're probably, you know, financially minded, you know, and they're serious. So <laughs> that's cool. I like to think so, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, let's do it. So now check it, man. You own two houses. You've got, I think, 12 Airbnb properties that you're both managing and a few that you're managing for others, a few that you're managing for yourself. So what's the uh, day in the life of Justin Kusu look like in, in 2022? Yeah, it's it's funny, man. Like, uh, well, if you're saying 2022, if we're talking next year. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry 2021. See, okay, I'm ahead of, well, we can talk I'm ahead right now or in the future. No worries. <laughs> you're like you're like 20 steps ahead, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, as of right now, like you know, I just hang out with my friends, family. I also uh, I also do coaching too, and then I also. Uh, man, like I love playing, uh, I love playing poker. So I play a lot of poker too. Yeah. And, and, you know, I also like traveling. So I'm, I'm going out to Austin and then Miami, and then I'll be, uh, actually visiting up in Reading, like around like Shasta Lake, all that stuff. So yeah, these days, like, you know, I, I quit my job two years ago. Uh, it's funny. I don't know if you could put a little picture of that <laughs> or anything, yeah. but I, uh, I did a, my last day in corporate, I dressed up as Monopoly man. Cause it was a uh, Halloween. <laughs> so it's Halloween. So I'm walking around with like a, you know, a big mustache and a big sack of fake money. <laughs> I'll suit it up with a top hat. And, uh, you know, that was my last day in corporate. So yeah, man. But, um, day in the hey. life right now, like, dude, I'm like semi-retired. So I like, you know, I just, I just enjoy my life, man. <laughs> 
That's playing, awesome. Playing poker, traveling, friends and family. Yeah, you. So we'll go to poker in a second because I, I like poker too. But um, so for the we each episode has a has a picture on this. We'll put the Monopoly Man as the as a picture for your podcast. But send me that picture. Email me over that picture <laughs> on Halloween. We'll put it up there. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and, uh, we'll call it Real Life Monopoly. There you go. That's your episode title. There you go. Real Life Monopoly. So um, you have you entered the uh, World Series of Poker in any tournaments yet? Um, so any I bracelets? Actually, dude, I played. Now, I don't got any bracelets yet, but I, I did shoot my shot at um at the $1,000 buy-in over at Thunder Valley, like, you know, uh, a week or two ago. I, it was two weeks ago. And then I ended up getting 27th out of like 392. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was cool. I cashed like 2,500 bucks. And then I, uh, then I hung out with uh, good old Henry Sanchez. So we were just hanging out. <laughs> but then I went home. But uh, yeah, man, uh, that was fun. I'll actually be going back up to Thunder Valley again this weekend. So I'll be, I'll be up there. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to catch up, man. We'll, we'll give, let me know. We'll catch up. <laughs> Sounds um, good. There's um, there's a there's a few spots out there in the Bay Area that are like they look like kind of holes and hole in the wall. The poker rooms, they're like, I see them on uh, World Poker Tour all the time. Yeah, I can't think of what the name is. Like, there's Lucky Chances. There's Bay One Hundred One. Bay One Hundred One. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a um, they they like totally remodeled it. They got like a brand new building now. Uh, I don't know what like how long ago you were there before, but I think that happened like maybe like five years ago. They moved everything to a totally brand new building. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like pretty decently nice now. Hey, well, I I know we we went on a tangent there, audience. I hope you guys are still listening, still tuned in. <laughs> but hey, Justin, man, you've been an awesome guest. I'm sure you've inspired others. You know, my my I have so many clients who come to me, our prospect clients who who want to get in the Airbnb space, who want to start making that real estate money off rental incomes or Airbnb income. So I'm sure you inspired a lot. I'm sure people are going to be hitting you up. I thank you for just sharing your time, man. I know your time is valuable. I thank you for sharing it with us. I always end these shows the same way. So you've achieved what I think anybody would consider a financially successful lifestyle. But I also know the words financial success mean different things to different people. So what it meant to you when you were coming up selling Red Bulls is a lot different than what it means to you now. And what it meant to your grandfather when he was couldn't afford to go to public school, couldn't afford to go to school as a child, it was a lot different than what it meant to him when he eventually laid himself down. So mm-hmm. let, let's, um, what do the words financial success mean to you today? And I don't mean from a dollar amount, from mm-hmm. a lifestyle. What's it look like for you? Yeah, well, for me, like, I think if someone is like, you know, I, there, there's different levels, but at least the level where I feel like at least you've won is like, you know, if you win, if you win the game of Monopoly, that means that like, you literally like don't have to work anymore. Like you're not worried about like, you know, spinning your wheels in the rat race. So I would say that if you can retire and have cash flow coming in where you like, don't have to worry about expenses anymore, I would say that's, you know, that's, that's truly like financially successful. So, Hey, you can, you can like be able to take care of yourself, take care of your family, hand down assets to your kids, you know, and have cash flow coming in. You're not, you're like, but my real plan A, like, is hey, let's get real estate, let's get a whole portfolio, let's get something I could like hand down to my kids. So that's uh that's why I consider financially successful is like 
being able to just take care of yourself, your family, and just have a legacy that you can yeah. You took the word out of my mouth, legacy. So yes. get, getting out the rat race and creating legacy. That's financial success. Mm-hmm. And you're just about there. You got to have some kids if you want to finish that legacy portion. Yeah, <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> but you're doing a good job, man. I thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Islands, I'm glad you guys tuned in. You guys take care and God bless. Yeah, awesome. Take care. Talk soon. Payne Boy is a financial professional with Homes Financial of and Securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS member FINRA, FIPC, Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.